Welcome to Self-Release Songs. My name is David Garrick. So we took the last couple of weeks off because, one, there was a giant storm coming through Houston and we thought it was going to hit. It completely missed us and it hit uh, Louisiana. They've had a lot of damage and we feel for them. Uh, we kind of dodged a bullet here. The other reason is we threw a 22 artist live stream uh, concert that ran over the course of seven days called Benefit Week. And it was a success, and we totally appreciate anyone that bought a ticket, who tuned in and watched it. Uh, we're unbelievably happy to do it. Uh, we raised money for uh, independently owned live music venues in Houston, Texas. And the lineup was great. All the performances were great. And we really appreciate anybody that uh, bought a ticket and supported it. Um, so instead of doing a heavy intro, because we've been away for a while, we're just going to kind of jump into this episode. So in years about writing about music, you kind of learn things about yourself. You learn that you really don't have a whole lot of time to spend with music. Someone sends you a song or a record and you have about as much time to dig in and get it up and out because music's moving really fast. And the same kind of goes for interviews. For years when I wrote for papers tied to cities, I interviewed kind of anybody who came through town, specifically artists that I really liked, and I liked their music, and I saw merit in what they were doing. But in a lot of realms of music, there's not a lot of money in it. So if you're going to take the time to interview somebody, you should really interview somebody that you find interesting whose music is enveloped in great tone and structure. And people that you want to get to know them, you want to know their story because their music has touched you in such a way that you have to know more about them. So when we were setting up Benefit Week, what's ironic about the lineup is I wrote down 25 bands and all of them performed. Minus two that dropped out and we added two, but they were on my reserve list. One of the artists that I really wanted to put on was an artist named Attila. Uh, and it's spelled A-T-T-X-L-A. But sing singer-songwriter, producer, I kind of could not help myself the first time I heard his music, and I'll tell you how it happened. John Allen Stevens, who we had on this podcast, is a hell of a pop producer. He loves R&B. He loves hip-hop more than anybody I've ever met. He has such a great ear for what makes a song pop and sparkle. He's one of these guys, if he sends me something, I go, oh, this is probably great. And he sent me the Attila debut album. And he was like, hey, you know, I worked on this. I'd love it if you checked it out. And because of circumstance... When you're writing a lot of articles or editing a lot of articles every day, it takes a little time to get to everything. And I sat on it for a little while and I apologized to Attila for that. But when I finally dug in, what I found was, holy shit, this guy can sing. This guy can sing so well, how come I don't know who he is? How come I've never heard of him? What we find out in this episode and what I found out over time is that we're talking about a guy that has put in the work. Growing up, trying to be a rapper, being in the 90s R&B, really wanting to be a singer, but not being confident enough to do it. There's so much here to this story. It really tells you that if you're willing to put in the time and effort and teach yourself when no one else can help, how you can achieve all of your dreams. What I really like about his story is we live in a world where a lot of people say, well, this is my dream, but I don't want to lose my Netflix subscription. I don't want to lose my job because then I'll lose my apartment. And I get it. It's real. But there's many people in this world that don't achieve their dreams because they're too busy hanging on to the thing they hate to not try the dream. And what I like about Tilla is he kind of went all in to achieve his dream. He just released a new EP. It's on Spotify. I believe you pronounce it Flowell. I think he's one of the most intriguing artists I've heard in a long time. And I think his story will really tell you how powerful it is to ask 
how powerful it is to realize you want to do something and you work towards it, and the power of community. Uh, there are a few artists where I hear their stuff and I cannot believe how amazing it is. And I would say that I put Attila exactly on that list and that's why we had him on the live stream. At the time, I didn't know what we'll find out in this episode, which is that he really had just kind of figured out how to do his show live. I'm amazed by his set. It was one of the best I saw. It looked like somebody had been doing it for a long time. I'm unbelievably happy, especially if you've never heard his music, to introduce you to him. So without further ado, here's Attila. No, it's real. There's a lot of shit coming out of here. Mm-hmm. So, where are you from? Are you from Houston? I'm from Port Arthur. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like... Southeast Texas. How long did you live there before you moved into the city? Until I was 13. Okay. Yeah. Family moved into the city? Uh, me and my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, we moved from my grandparents' house to Houston. And where'd you like go to school and all that? Well, first we <laughs> we kind of dropped off into Richmond, stayed with my aunt for the first couple of years we were out there. Um, and I went to Foster High School for the first year. Okay. And then we finally moved into Katy, like OPT or Park Trails, that area. And I went to Taylor for sophomore senior. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's where I graduated from is I mean, is it, Taylor High School. Was it, when did you start to get into music? Like, was it around that time? Like, or it, was it? Um, it was in between it was like my junior to senior year because I was gifted a MacBook Pro the one I still use besides my desktop now um, in 2012 Christmas, okay. Christmas 2012 and my grandparents <laughs> gave me this laptop right and I just started like kind of tinkering around with it on GarageBand it was really supposed to be for school and like homework and stuff like that <laughs> no and so I started kind of messing around on GarageBand and you know just having fun or whatever and then before I knew it I was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna rap, because I was too scared to sing. I'm gonna rap, and I'm gonna, like, do, you know, like, a verse here and a verse there, because there was, like, this singer that I used to follow heavily in, like, 2012, 2013, which I follow him now again, but it was, like, there was a gap. Sure. Um, his name is Duran Bernard. Okay. He act, he's a, a background singer for Erykah Badu now. Okay. And, yeah, I used to follow him on YouTube and, like, listen to his music that was on Bandcamp all the time, when, when Bandcamp was, like, the thing, and SoundCloud, too. And so I would take... Because I found the instrumental. So I would take, like, the real song, the instrumental, line it up where he would, like, finish a verse, and then I would start rapping, and I modulated my voice down, like, way too deep. Yeah. I didn't know what mixing was. So it was not loud enough either. And I was terrible at rapping, but I was even worse at singing. So I, I couldn't sing. Yeah. At all. Um, so that's where I kind of started. It was 2012 through, like, maybe 2015 before I actually got, like, a decent song out you know, uh, out of me, like, making it, and funny story, I, in 2013, like, fall 2013, I was, um, going to HCC after I graduated, and HCC Spring Branch was the main place that I was, that I was going to, and I was in the MISA, which was, like, the music, blah, 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 it's, like, the group, you know, okay. like, yeah. that sort of thing, um, and they were putting on a fall showcase, um, type thing. It was like a talent show, pretty much. Yeah. But it was like um, the top, I guess, two or three places or whatever um, get a certain opportunity. I couldn't remember what it was. It, it's back in my mind now. Sure. Um, but I did that talent show. Don't know why. <laughs> did the talent show. I did a cover of Janelle Monet's Dancer Die, but I remixed the whole thing. It, it, I made it like faster, and it was like this weird electro underwater dance song. Okay. Don't know how I got there. And I also did um, one or two originals, and they were all of it was rapping. And I didn't place. I got close, but I didn't place. But um, the main guy that was one of the judges invited me to a winter like mixer, you okay. know, like a like a Christmas bash type thing. Yeah. At warehouse, funny enough, that was my first experience at warehouse. Um, was this Christmas bash? They had a silent auction, and I won. Four hours of studio time with Billy Dorsey. Oh, cool! At Sugar Hill. So I was like, I've never been in a studio. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, you know, met this guy. I don't know who he is. And 
got his like contact information and got to talk to him or whatever and then I got in there with Josh Appleby um, and we were in like Studio A or something like that it was like the one with the live room attached to it like yeah a little studio in there. yeah yeah big, Stu- that's big wait wait so was there is it the one that's all wood it's like you walk as soon as you walk in it's like control room and then there's a little hall thing door yeah so that's yeah that's Studio the, A that's the, the big the one yeah okay so we were in there and I was like what the heck I saw all the you know the, the plaques and the, the medals and things on the way in all the like records from the different people they worked with I was like oh my god this is really serious and what do you know I talked my way through all four hours didn't write a song didn't record one thing and got the whole session on like two or three CDs okay. to listen back to how I talked my way through a four hour session um, but we had a coming to Jesus moment <laughs> he's basically like you don't need to be rapping you need to be singing um because he had me like do something where I was like projecting at a wall and he's like trying to help me kind of adjust it and he was just like there it is there it is you're a singer I was like oh okay so we kind of started to like write something never happened never got to a finishing point but that was the thing that kind of set me off right from you know the end of 2013 beginning of 2014 or the end of yeah the end of 2013 beginning of 2014 um kind of going into this direction of okay now I'm a singer how am I supposed to make stuff for me singing yeah you know and it was like okay but I also need to find my voice like I still couldn't sing at by my standards I still couldn't sing I was like I can't sing worth crap like he obviously saw something I don't know what it was but he sees something so I'm like sure and I kept working on it kept working on it kept working on it you know around 2015 ish is when I started going to like Baron Studios um because I was actually helping a, a couple of friends out from Beaumont they were doing like a brother-sister duo um, and they were working on like their first single right and I was like oh I've never you know like done this sort of thing where I'm like recording in a studio because even though I went to Sugar Hill I'd never recorded in it right so I was like never recorded in a studio I still don't know how this goes and I went in there and they were like we just need a little help we don't know what to do with like like at this top part you know and then that was also kind of like the start of me being a songwriter because I wrote that chorus and the melody like the vocal melody to the chorus and that was how they got the name of the song and they were just like, we don't know what to do on this top bit. So I just went in there and just did like a, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, sort of thing. Right. In the booth. And they were like, oh, that's it. That's it. Keep it. Blah, blah, blah. Keep it on it's just your voice. We're not going to do it. So I'm like, okay, cool. That was my first recorded bit in the studio. And it was like the first thing I wrote. So, so I'm like. Well, like if we roll things back a little bit, like what did you listen to coming up? Like when you were getting into music, what was the stuff that you grabbed? Stuff you listened to? Till today or no? No, no. At, um, at that time, I was very. Uh, what do you say? Like I, I gravitated toward uh, female R and B. Okay. Specifically, so it was very like um, Layla Hathaway, Jill Scott, um, Erica Badu, people in that like um, Anita Baker, folks in that sort of lane. Okay. And that's pretty much and Aaliyah and stuff like that. Missy Elliott. Um, just different people in like that R&B hip hop but it was like mostly female and some Lauren Hill but I, I didn't know too much of it but I liked it I knew right. I liked it so it was, it was this sort of vibe that I was going with um, but the relationship I had with that sort of music was that my mom would drive me around sometimes to try and put me to sleep because I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to sleep so I started to relate car rides you know with relaxation and sleeping and music and this this specific kind of music and that that has carried to now where it's kind of like the sort of entrancing therapeutic thing that yeah. music does for me and that's no, that why I sense. make certain sounds and it's not always it's not harsh you know most of my stuff is kind of like oh this is okay we can chill we can drive we can ride to this that's where that kind of comes from but I was exposed more to like Bjork um, Little Dragon uh, Baths stuff like that when I was in high school yeah like kind of late in high school junior year senior year did your mom listen to female artists and that's why you think you gravitate to it she listened to all kinds of stuff yeah but I was very much so like it was like that was that was those were the things that made me feel the most comfortable and made me feel it, it was like vibey yeah and I was like this is relaxing and you know I can go to sleep to this and I was like cause she listened to like rap hip hop R&B jazz even and I didn't get into jazz until a lot later yeah so that's I'm kind of like okay I'm still trying to figure out how I got to be a, a, a pop person because that was not in the car sure um I think the only example of pop that I had was like 90s Christina okay ni- like 90s Backstreet Boys NSYNC and my mom didn't listen to Britney like yeah. at all 
So, but the Backstreet Boys and like NSYNC and stuff like that was on the radio. I think my mom had Stripped or something like that, the Christina album. Yeah. Like with Underappreciated and stuff like that on it. I want to say she had that album in like 90s Pink. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, other than that, and like Aaliyah, because Aaliyah was kind of like a pop girl too. Sure. But yeah, so other than that, I didn't really have pop, but in high school, I found all the pop, all the left of center stuff, you know, like all right. the bands that I love today. Stuff but like that. Foster if you, the People, Paramore. If you look at all those R&B artists, and then you look at all those pop artists, all their music is baked within each other. Mm-hmm. R&B is, I mean, I always thought it was ridiculous to hear R&B come out of five white kids. Mm. But R&B is definitely a part of like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. And That's why I just call Britney. it pop R&B. Yeah, and then uh, pop is baked into a lot of that R- 90s R&B, 2000s R&B. Um, for sure. If not for anything, just based off the click, you know, the click mm. track. So it makes sense. I mean, plus I think if you're making R&B music, you kind of have to visit the pop world first because you're trying to get the hook. And it's easier, and I'm not saying that you're making music that's easy, but it's easy to get there mm. by going, well, let's go with the hook from pop because you might not be able to get the hook from straight R&B, you know what I mean? Which I never really did uh, consciously. I, I never, like, went at it like, this is the formula I need to get or anything. Like, especially my earlier songs that never came out. A lot of them were just kind of like, this is what I'm feeling right now. I can't find these sounds anywhere. I'm going to make it. I got to figure it out. It was all in logic. It was before I even got to Ableton. And I was just like, I, I need to figure this out. It's good you it learned out. in logic, though. Uh, Lauren from El Lago was just telling me, She's learning Logic, and I learned Logic first, then Pro Tools, and then it was forever before Ableton came out. The only mm. reason I got Ableton was because of the plugins mm. for like amplifiers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Logic's the best. I think Pro Tools is the e- is easier than Logic, and I think Ableton really? is kind of idiot proof. <laughs> and I don't mean that bad. It because, fully is idiot proof because of the live. It's me because of the live version of it. Mm. You don't want to have to learn math when you look at the screen. You want to be able to immediately access everything. And they were the first people to have the idea of making controllers. Yeah. And a controller is an ease of use. You know, and I it's still a, use my launch pad. Yeah. The well, legacy one. The first a, one. It's a great idea. It's like a wonderful idea to yeah. be able to access those beats. And, you know, when you learn how all the knobs work and everything, like, it's a great tool. I would not tell anybody not to use one of those. Right. You've got to be doing it a while before you go... Hey, I'm willing to go spend five grand on a synthesizer, you know? So, I mean, I get it. Like, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you're growing up yeah. in Katy. You're listening to R&B. You get to high school and you start getting into what? That's when you start to get into Bjork and things like that? Uh, yeah, Bjork, um, Paramore, at the time, Flyleaf, Foster the People, uh, Tune Yards, I kind of discovered around senior year going into college. Um, who else? Son, Banks, um, like I said, Baths, John Bellion, I started to kind of listen to going into college. Um, I'm trying to think who else, like right off, but those are kind of like the, the main. And people. how did you go from like R&B, hip hop stuff to these kind of more, Bjork isn't obscure, but I know you mentioned Kate Bush before we got started. Mm. Kate Bush is. I just got into Kate Bush like in the house, in the last two years. Well, that makes or sense. The last year, really. Because you've got to find obsessed. it. <laughs> There's very few people saying, check out this Kate Bush record. Right. It's right. a rarity. Like uh, Stu, actually, was the person who introduced me to yeah, Kate Bush. Well, that makes sense. Because Stu knew that I loved Bjork so much. And they were like, well, if you love Bjork like that, you ought to listen to who inspired her. And I'm like, sure. oh, tell me more. And the first record was uh, Mother Stands for Comfort. And I dope head first yeah. <laughs> in no, the Kate Bush from then on. What always gets me about Bjork is people love the early records and I saw her at Numbers. Mm. That would be incredible. It might have been debut era. Ooh. I was in high school so Numbers used to have a bunch of shows and the radio station would sponsor it so if it was 94.5 the ticket would be $9.45. Mm. But I think back then it was like 107 so it was like 1070 so I saw Blur like right after song two came out mm. and they were playing fucking numbers which holds like 300 people I'm like numbers you know? hosted a lot of legendary acts. yeah they had DJ sets from Depeche Mode yeah they've had all kind of crazy right. shit yeah um, but everybody wants to refer to those early records but I'm like 
I think Lion Song era stuff is a, oh like so amazing. Lord. That is my favorite record off uh, the track off that record. Yeah, the way the vocals work in that with that oh. kind of breathy kind of approach that she's I mean she's so far ahead of everybody it's insane. Yeah. So if you're gonna pick an artist to get into, that's a good artist to get into. I because it's weird, it's avant garde more is. than it is pop, but because she's got such a good head about how to write a song. Mm-hmm. It has these pop elements, so it's listenable. It's not just weird, you know? And I started to find more of the catchier things or the or the, the little moments that she creates within the songs that make you want to go back and listen to that one little thing. Yeah. That's kind of where... And that's actually how I got into Glasser, if you know who Glasser is. Because um, Glasser is like literally Kate Bush, Bjork, put it in a blender. Yeah. Bam. And then like add more electronic elements. Sure. Even more. Like, like cold electronics. Right. Kind of like Arca era Bjork. You know, like that sort of thing. Um, I'm just really into the, the like those four specifically: Arca, Bjork, Kate Bush, Glasser. <sighs> I could listen to like a nonstop playlist of all their stuff. It's just so when you're making music, you were originally using GarageBand. When did you switch to Logic? I switched to Logic around 2014. Okay. Yeah, I was on GarageBand t- 2012, 13. A bit of 14. I, I switched in, um, into Logic in 2014 because we were living in um, Jersey Village at that point. Okay. Yeah. I went to Jersey Village High School. Oh, my God. <laughs> my parents still live there. My office wow. is out there because they're old. But, yeah. Well, it's real. I liked I mean, it over there. It was, it was nice. It was cool. Yeah, it's like But that's super... how I was on HCC Spring Branch because oh, right it's like right there. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. So, you're le- okay, so you're learning in Logic. Yes. And did that shape ease of use in making songs or was it harder no that was the one like logic was literally like um garage band on crack for me honestly yeah. well they're logic derived was... from the same thing so yeah because apple right? makes both yeah so i was like "Ooh, this is it just it basically opened a door and, and let me create as far reaching as i could you know given my mindset at that point which was like i, I didn't have that much up yeah. here but i could have gone as far as I, I wanted to take it um logic would let you and especially with like space designer and stuff like that yeah. um oh my God, I had, so I'm, I'm a reverb person so I had quite a fun time with space designer um and just making beats and learning how to you know uh manipulate synths and samples and stuff like that i'd learned mostly in logic yeah and kind of the crate digging of the samples and this is before i even got into splice because i wasn't even like aware of splice right yeah. um because now <laughs> in the past like two or three years well two really splice is just coming in right it's better than it used to be too yeah i'm like this is the new thing here um but and it all started with the sophie kid i was like i saw sophie made a kid for splice i got splice sophie kid thanks yeah you know and i showed john some of the the sophie stuff on splice he was like i'm gonna download that (laughs) he's like i like this one (laughs) all the sophie stuff is wild i would Mm -hmm. say sophie was so ahead of everybody I remember the first time I heard it, somebody at Red Bull said, check this out. And I just, I didn't even know what it was. Because mm. so, and PC Music had kind of been around at that point, but not like that, you know? Yeah. Like it was, that was so wild and different. And then Charlie XX books out Vroom Vroom that Sophie produced that I loved. And a lot of people told me they hated it. Oh, they hated it for her. They hated her for it. It was just like. Yeah. I think it was a little over everybody's back, heads. It's like, this is what started all this hyper pop stuff. Yeah. Like, y'all should thank her and yeah. Sophie. <laughs> so, when do you transition from working with, when do you start working on the precursor to what you do now? That was more so 2015, when and I started going to Barron. And you're just doing, well, you're just working with other people and you're starting to sideline work on your own stuff? Or no, you're working on your own no, stuff? No, I just, that was just a favor I did for some friends that one time. And it just really launched me into, maybe I can do this. You know, I, if I could sing well enough with auto-tune to, you know, pass, I'm like, start putting your voice on something. So I immediately started writing some songs. I wrote like 14, 15 songs, you know, it's like my first album or whatever. But so I, I pretty much made that recorded it all at Barron, some to like varying degrees of completion um but i pretty much i pretty much like finished it there and i liked what i was doing and i was singing and i was writing everything i was making all the beats and um working with a couple of the different engineers there dorothy izzy terrence at the time um some chris as well 
so I was definitely kind of working with everybody I was bouncing around. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of, that was me at the helm, producing and writing and singing. So. And then when did you start to go from that era to what you've done in the last year? Or is so, that the beginning of all that? that? That's pretty much the beginning of all that, but none of it came out. And then all of like 2016, I was trying to find my voice, train myself, learn more on YouTube, how to be a better singer, how to be a better singer, just working on my voice. And it got to a point where my voice didn't sound like it was taking away from the tracks. <laughs> it sounded like it was actually adding something to them. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, let me start working a little harder. So 2016, 2017, I was doing a whole lot of work on it. I made like pretty much another album's worth of songs. And that also didn't come out, and some of them are just like scrapped, and I don't know where some of them are, or whatever. And then come 20, well, in the middle of middle to late 2016, I got this opportunity to do vocals um, for a DJ in Germany, um, Salkin, and he, well, Maven was first, so I got the opportunity with Maven, and then Maven turned me on to his friend Salkin, and basically I got passed around to. Friends of friends of friends of friends of friends, and I was doing vocals for, you know, just all these different like dance songs in, in Germany, and then it became like DJs in Spain, you know, other DJs in the, in the UK and stuff like that. And then 2017 rolls around, and that's how I got the opportunity to do the song with Unknown Brain. Okay. Um, through their manager on Facebook, I like, you know, did a friend request or whatever because I saw him. I was just like adding people that had anything to do with music on Facebook at the time. And he was one of the main ones, and I was like, yo, he's a manager, he, like, manages people, and maybe I can, like, get him to manage me, that was the first thought. Um, or, like, to add, a, add me to one of his playlists, which he had several of. Neither happened. And he was just like, I'm looking for vocalists, he just, like, put this out on Facebook, and I was like, hi, hello, me. So he sent me, like, two instrumentals, two or three, and the one that I was like, this sounds like it could be something if I do it. Yeah. Was Roots. And that's the one that's like at 3 million plus on YouTube now. Yeah. It's like 2.3 something million or whatever on Spotify. And that's that was like my major thing. And at that point, I was like, okay, from here on, I need to start doing some stuff. Yeah. You know, and really getting serious about it. And that's when I got like super serious. I started making more songs with other people. I got more DJ stuff coming out. I had um, more labels dropping songs like 99 Lives, um, NCS, yeah, No Copyright Sounds, um, Spin Up, it was like another label did one, I can't remember what it is though right off, it's, it's like okay. Mint something or other, um, but yeah, so I had a couple of kind of label releases, and then I get to 2018 and I'm like, I think I'm ready to record this album, I finally have all the tracks that I really like, they're like done, they're written, you know, I'm happy with my vocals, and I find out about John through the space connect, because like, finally we move into like Houston, Houston at this, right. at this point, into Meyerland is where we moved, and I was like 15 minutes from, you know, Montrose, super close to everything, and I infiltrate this friend group. So, before we get into John... yeah. So what do you think shaped... You're building tracks this whole time, right? Yes. Like, And did anybody teach you how to build a track, or did you learn all that on your own? I learned a little bit on my own. Me so, and YouTube. <laughs> so you're basically watching YouTube videos to figure out how to do beats and how to do all the synths and everything? Yeah. And then what, you're making them in... You're making them in Logic and then just kind of putting them together? Mm -hmm. Logic I mean, and going into Ableton around 2016, 2017. Did you know anything about structure and measures and all that stuff? You just, it was all self-taught. It was. I mean, that's cool. I, I just didn't know. Like, I was horrible. I tried to do music fundamentals because, like, I want to do music, you know? And I yeah. tried to do music fundamentals at HCC. Sucked at it. Couldn't get the circle of fists. Took it, like, five times. Still failed it. And I did, like, a one-on-one -on -one course one semester for vocal um, performance. And it was, like, opera. I was like, this is not what I want to do. And my voice got deeper. And I was like, No. So I didn't want to do that, didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. The teacher was amazing. She gave me some exercises that do help me to this day. But beyond that, I was like, I want to do pop performance. Like, I, you know, I want to do, like, Western music. Like, right. Let's, you know, do it. Um, so that didn't really add much to me figuring out all of this stuff. Right. And that's, again, like, kind of how we get to... I'm doing collaborations. I'm working on tracks. I think I'm ready for an album. And then we moved to Meyerland and that's when I find this I like stumble upon this friend group it's you know uh, Lewis like Lou X I, I don't know if you've read about him or not yeah but Lou X um, Stu the Space Cadets Wade and the Sonic Joy um, 
TV, Myers, like all these different people. I don't know if they were all friends, but they were all like connected some kind of way. Right. And finding out about Myers, I found out about a show that Myers was doing with John at Satellite. So, oh, the first one was at White Oak. So I did that one. Um, I think Pearl Crush opened. Okay. And like, um, it's like Pearl Crush, Myers, John, or TV and John, something like that. I can't remember which ones. But I went to that show. Then I went to the show at Satellite. And I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I love his music, blah, blah, blah. Because I didn't even know who he was or about yeah. him. And so I talked to him. He was <coughs> still in Kingwood at the time. And we linked up. And I was driving to Kingwood like three, four days out the week, going to the studio. Which is a truck, yeah. It, it was crazy. <laughs> But I was doing it. I was like, I want this. Oh, no, we weren't in Myerland yet. We were in um, Cyprus. Okay. So I, was on, I was on Poppy Trails of 529. So, yeah, that's a real long drive. Exactly. There's no easy way to do it. You can't. I guess you could go to 45 and cut across. But because Kingwood is off of 59, it's mm. so confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to just, like, go straight up across 290, go back there like I'm going to spring. And yeah. then just kind of dodge out to the Yeah, side. that makes sense. That, that Because it was just straight up, you know. Yeah. I was like, I don't know anywhere else. I don't know this area. I don't want to get lost. Right. So I did that. But we were only at Poppy Jones for, like, a year. Then we moved to Myerland. And then he moved not that long after to the Where East Where he lives End. now, yeah. And I was like, thank God. This is a 20-minute drive. Right. Let's do this. So I was hitting it hard, hitting it hard. But when I first went in there, in, when he was in Kingwood, uh, I gave, I showed him all the, the tracks that I, you know, liked or whatever. I actually knocked him down to 10 because it's like, I don't want to bring him like 15, 16, 20 tracks. Sure. Brought him 10. He cut off five immediately. He was like, no. I think these are the stronger ones. Really, these three. And I kind of was like, okay, but I really would like to do these. And he's like, yeah, sure. So really focused on five, made five more together, like between me bringing in ideas and him really like expanding upon it. Um, and us just kind of like jamming in the studio and like figuring stuff out. I might have an, a melody or a lyric or a premature beat or something. Yeah. And he just really goes off with it. And we hit it from there, October 2018. So when we started working. And I mean, like, so you're saying that basically going from rapping to singing legitimately mm-hmm. came from somebody telling you, oh, this is good. You can sing. Yeah. And you just all the eggs in and. It was, it was like, with you this. do not need to be... Because I didn't want to rap. I wanted to sing, but I was too scared. Yeah. And I and I also knew I couldn't sing. Like, right. I knew I couldn't sing. And what do you think got you from I can't sing to I can sing? These different moments with people that I either know are important or that are important to me kind of confirming that. Okay. You know, from Billy Dorsey being kind of like the first nudge into singing to me actually singing to Banks outside of Warehouse. Okay. Like, to her. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. The wow. whole time she's, like, you know, greeting fans and, like, hugging them. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, I have a jacket on. Like, she's being really sweet. She's super nice. I met her twice now. And, um, because I was VIP. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, House Blues the second time. So I got to meet her again. Anyway, she's introducing herself and talking to people blah, blah, blah. the whole time I'm so nervous I don't know what to do I'm like shaking so I'm like just sing just sing just sing so I'm like singing at the top of my lungs just like weaker girl or like um, mind games or something like that so I'm just like singing you know all these different songs and I hear her kind of commenting on my singing and other people are kind of looking like oh yeah. and then she gets to me and she's just like thank you and you're like you're really good I'm like oh boy like as she's going down the line I'm like oh my god Banks says I can sing Oh my God. So I was like, in that moment, I'm like, okay, I can sing. Obviously, that was a life and career affirming moment for me. Yeah. Because one of my favorite writers of all time and vocalists said I could sing. So that was one of the main things. <laughs> you do the, you're doing this, you do this with Banks. Mm-hmm. What year is this? 20... 17? Okay. One of those. And I mean, so you've got this confirmation, and that's when you start going, okay, I'm going to throw everything in, and I'm going to be a singer, and I'm going to make music. I'd thrown it in beforehand with Billy Dorsey, but when I got that, I was like, oh, I'm really going in. Like, this is it. That made all this, like, somebody that doesn't know me at all, has no connection to me, heard me singing raw acapella, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, I already know I don't, I barely have any relative pitch, first of all. <laughs> so... I was just like, I'm just singing off memory. I love these songs. I love her. I'm also nervous. I don't know what to do, so I'm just singing. And getting that out of that, yeah, that meant a crap time. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there's very few people. If somebody tells you you can sing, that's cool. But if somebody who is doing it and you admire tells you you can sing, that's a way 
different thing. And all of a sudden, we go from me listening to you to me looking at you. Right. That that was a whole other. I mean, know. that's ballsy to do it. It is. Like I, I when well, you were telling me, I was like, that's crazy because the world I'm from, we would have never done that. But we did it in forms. You know, you find out somebody's at your show and you play better or whatever because you think maybe something can come from it. Um, so it's not a big difference. Yeah. Uh, and there's a little easier access now, and then there also isn't. There's some people that are way less accessible. So, because it always cracks up, people are like, oh, we had it harder, and it's like, we did, we had it just as easy. In fact, it was probably easier for us because now there's a trillion fucking people making music, you know? Exactly. And there really wasn't that when we were doing it. So, is there ever like a time where you go, okay, well, this moment right here, or this record right here, is responsible for where I am today. Do you ever have those things? Hmm. That's kind of hard. Because you have a you have a wonderful voice. You know, Thank when you. it got sent to me, it was I worked on this. Check it out. Mm. Oh, and God, I wish you, John. <laughs> it wish it had been something like his vocals are nuts. So I sat on it for a little bit, and then I listened to it, and I was like, oh man, this guy can sing. And he's like. Oh, yeah, he's a great singer. And I don't mean that as a bad way. He was just saying to me, like, hey, check this out if you're interested. It happens a lot. They're like, if you're interested, let me know. If not, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's common. I mean, even emails that come from labels are that way. If you like this, whatever, here's all the stuff. So, but I was like, wow, it's really good. And that's what led me to write about it. But, I mean, was reception of the record good? I mean, it, it felt like you did a lot of things right. You had the right photos. You had you did your single roll out the right way. I tried. Well, I mean, it's hard. I did a lot of reading before yeah. I did anything. It's hard. Nobody tells you nowadays. Everything is nowadays they're doing it a little bit different. But it's basically here's a single, mm. and then a month later here's a single. They announce the record. Then a month later it's here's another single. They announce the tour, and then a month later here's a single. The album comes out this Friday. Yeah. You know, but in that era it would have been single, single, single album. Yeah. You know, um, which you seem to do. And you got the right press. I mean, how did you get the press you got? You just reached out to people? No. Um, it was mainly through, like, the work I did with John. John was just kind of getting a little hype. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, dude, I'm, I'm going to tell people. I'm passing it around. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm almost like, don't, because I'm nervous. But, like, yes, because I, I kind of want people to hear it. But, like, yeah. I don't know. You know, I've never had that before. So I'm like, I don't know. Um, that and then I also, um, I can't remember the group name. But it was like, there's this group online that does, like, um, blog consulting, I guess that's a term. Okay. Um, and basically got a couple of blogs to like check it out and write about it. Sure. And I, I think that kind of created a tiny bit of buzz on, online because sure. it was like a Chicago one, there was a you know LA one, there was like a Miami one, and you know, stuff like that. Some people kind of bit off each other because they all got the same brief. But I was like, uh, you know, I'm kind of developing some secrets. But I, I. Well, no, no, no. The number one thing I'll hear is, oh wow, you listened to it. Because a lot of people take whatever the press release says. I'm not going to accuse anybody of copying it, even though I've seen things that are like, wow, that's real similar to what yeah. I was sent. Oh, no, I read everything. But I kind of get it because, like, people get paid dog shit now to write a, an article. And so it's like, you know, you can't really devote a whole bunch of time to it. Mm. So you just kind of, for me, I just, I listen to it. I kind of frame it. Mm. Oh, I go, oh, this is good. Kind of run through it. And I don't even listen all the way through. I just find what. I'm already in my head, like, this is where I'm going to go with this. Yeah. I read the press release to kind of get little nuggets, like, this is where they're from, this is what they think their music is, this is what else they do. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if you're a producer or if you're just a singer and you met with a producer. I don't know any of that stuff. So you pull those little pieces from it, I listen to it again, and I go, okay, this is what it is. Mm. And it's just like four sentences. You know, it's like the prelude, the. Because people click now, I think. For the media, they don't give a shit what I think of it. It's cool if they read it, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I like. Oh, you know, they really just like want to hear the song. Review. Well, thank you, but you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's, and you save some of that for the album review because there's all these theories where people say, well, people don't read, so don't put a lot of words. And you know, after I left a Houston paper, I, I went and met with my college professor, and she was like, you have to get there faster, which meant less words. Mm. And so you learn to write shorter. Um, that's like killing media yeah no no I agree with that but you always have you also have to be realistic of who is reading what you're putting out you know and we know how the masses are yeah and so you just say okay 
you know, you also decide how I'm not going to do a track by track review. Mm. Nowadays, I kind of find the ones I like and I go, okay, we'll just skip. And then the one I like, like the most, like my favorite give cuts, it some, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, and so, because I'll look at reviews before I'll check an album out. Sometimes if it's like a, a band that I haven't caught up with in a while, and I'm yeah. just like, I don't know if I want to check this new stuff out because I'm still like with the old stuff. I'll check out the reviews and be like, okay, how do like some of these other people feel about it? Right. And just read it down, look at the ratings, kind of compare. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's worth me checking it out. Or yeah. Maybe it's like, I don't know. Kind of sounds like they're not really going anywhere with it. You know? Right. Then it's like I don't. That, I'll, I'll do that. So I know me and how I treat it. Right. And that's why I was like, I'm gonna go hard on trying to get blog um, press. Trying to get um, playlisting. I worked on playlisting for a while. Um, you know, trying to stay on top of socials, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but just like the person-to-person stuff, I'm horrible with. That's why I was like, I'm... well, yeah. They say the best advertising is word of mouth. Yeah. But it's hard to get those words into somebody's mouth, you know, because they have to hear it. That's where blogs come in. Yeah. And so, I mean, no, it looked like you did everything right. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm always astounded when somebody. When somebody from a label asks me what's something I should hear, mm. I send them somebody that gets it and has skin in the game. They've put the time in. They've learned what they're supposed to do. Mm. Because this might be something I've known for 20 years, and I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to send them an artist, and they're like, yo, man, this dude asked for a million dollars. And you're like, oh, okay, no, that, sorry, I didn't know that would happen, you know. <laughs> but uh, it is a thing where it's like you see not a lot of artists. It's gotten more common. Artists know what to do. But for a long time, people didn't know what to do and how to frame the record. Mm. So the record comes out. You get plenty of press. When do you start figuring out what the live show looks like? That was kind of one of the later things. Because I was like, I, going into it, I knew I wasn't going to get booked right away. Sure. And that I had not been booked before then right. much at all. So it was kind of like, okay... I'm like a fetus in the game, like not not even like the you know the new kid. Like I'm a fetus. Like no one knows me, no one has heard me before. Hopefully, kind of John's word of mouth and my blog work and my playlisting work will get me some kind of buzz. Sure. To kind of keep me afloat to at least till at least my next offering or effort or you know whatnot. And the live show, I just I don't know. It always kind of escaped me. I was like maybe I can just do. Because I don't play instruments. I don't know how to play anything. Right. You know, I, I dabble in piano to get... I can figure out chords. If it sounds good, I'll go with it. Um, I don't know keys. I don't know stuff like that. And I, don't, I can play guitar, drums, nothing. So I was like, okay, laptop, obviously. Right. <laughs> it's my first choice. I was like, and I have this launch pad. Let me figure out how to use the launch pad for live. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, trying to do these different things live is a little too complicated. Maybe I'll just trigger them. So I just started, like, triggering, sure. the, you know, the, the backing tracks. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's super common. I you mean, don't... it took me till this year to get a live show together with some live instrumentation. Sure. Like, thank God for Frank. Because literally Frank made that happen. Right. But Otherwise, it, it would not have come out like that But it's. That show. But it is... The way the world I come from is you figured out the live show then you figured out the record and now the world is a lot reversed because mm. software is good enough to where you can make the record before you figure it out live it was more so because i was just um not necessarily self-conscious but i was well insecure i guess is the word i was a lot more insecure about my life capabilities sure um i guess then my tech capabilities right so i was like i know i can read into some stuff, find some things out, compare and contrast, and be like, okay, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And just go ahead and do it. No one has to look me in the face. I don't have to talk. I don't have to think about it. I just, I can take time to write things out. Sure. I can, you know, send things off, have things made, have things done. But as long as I'm doing it, you know, in, in a certain order, like I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the best order? Like, do I do 60-40? Do I do like, you know, how most people put out like most of the record and then okay here's like four new songs on the record but everybody knows everything else right I was like I don't really want that I want there to be more deep cuts yeah I want it to have only like maybe two singles instead of four because I was like I feel like that's overkill especially asking people that don't know who you are never heard you before to listen to like four singles consistently and then actually be ready for an album I'm like if I can tease you with one two like the strongest cuts on the record and then put the you know the record out, have visuals ready. That's why I was like, okay, I need to get on this, these photo shoots. I need to get on you know trying to make at least one video for the record because I knew budget was going to be a, a thing, and, and that's still a thing. Um, and just trying to get attention so yeah. that I can like build it. Like in the meantime, I can work on my live stuff because all day long, 
I can I can sing. You know what right. I mean? Like now now I know for a fact I'm a decent singer. I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm a great singer. I'm a decent singer. I can sing it well enough to, to sell to sell it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I I give a little bit of drama. I give some theatrical whatever whatever. I give you a look. I give you know. Yeah. I change it up all the time. This that, and the other. So I can do that. I, I try to serve where I know I can, and where I'm not as confident, I try to. Just at least get it to where it'll it'll sell it'll, it'll yeah pass. until no, that I makes can sense. figure it out I build it up as I go right so this live stuff I'm starting to like I said it took a couple of years but <laughs> I'm getting a little it works out especially you, not being booked much if you watched it and you did not know who you were you would think this guy you've been oh he's been doing this a while it didn't look like somebody wow. that didn't know what they were doing I mean I I appreciate that no it's I mean Sergio from Guest Jeans that's a project you did with Chase DeMaster told me that Chase did a show where half of his screen was blacked out. He's doing Ableton Live, but he's trying to figure out the triggers. Oh, no. But I know that show. I saw that show. I didn't know that's what was going on. It's how you it present well. it. Yeah, it's yeah. how you present what you're doing, you know? It's like I told an artist one time, the audience doesn't know what's a pre-recorded track and what isn't. True. Especially if you have live instruments on there. If they're hearing 80 things and there's two people on stage, they know it's not all live. Right. But... But if you sell it, if give they're energy. into it, they don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how many times have I seen artists at Toyota Center with nobody on stage and the whole thing's backing tracks? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see a hip hop show or Katy Perry where there's shit flying everywhere and they got a costume change every three songs. Yeah. It's badass. It's like watching the Grammys, but you're not lying to yourself like, oh, there's a band under the stage playing this live. I mean, no. some like Lady Gaga for sure has a full like blown sure. band. Sure. Somewhere in the staging. Sure. And I've definitely seen so I've been I've seen that. Sure, and I saw Kendrick know. with full band multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, see. But I've also seen a lot of those artists by themselves, you know. Exactly. So I mean, figuring out live is tough, but I yeah, I wouldn't think there's an issue at all, anybody that watched the live stream. So I appreciate it. No, no worries. So what's the next step? The well, record is what, about a year old? Yeah, the record's a year old. I um dropped an E P the same day the my stream played. Yeah. On my birthday, which I didn't plan at all. I didn't know my stream was gonna do that day. Sure. Yeah. So it was weird. I plan. I planned the EP for my birthday because last year I couldn't. That's why sure. I came out on the twenty third instead of twenty eighth because twenty eighth was on a Friday. Right. So I was like, oh, it's happening this year. So those three things were. It, it was cool having it. My birthday EP live stream. Yeah. Um, the thing was was that that was supposed to be my second record, and due to COVID and financial, you know, circumstances, sure. actually I had to cut it in half. So this is the first half that I released. And I'm just gonna try and finish the the second half for for next year. I'm not sure when next year, but you know that. But first thing on my plate is remix. Cutting like it in half is remixes. probably a good idea because it gives you more longevity. Yeah. You know, everybody got on uh, the girl that's with oh, had had the kid with a uh, Elon Musk. Uh, oh, Grimes. Grimes, because she said my label's trying to get me to put out a record. And my fan base will take singles or they'll take an EP. I don't have to give them a whole record. Yeah. There were people that gave her shit. I was like, she's right. No, she's definitely If she had just dropped singles for the next three years, I would have been like, that's fine. You know? Shoot, Charlie did that for a while. A lot of people have done it, yeah. You know, single like every two months pretty much. Doing the EPs, you want to get as much push off of it. In the mixtapes. Yeah, and then at some point you've got to put out a full length. And I get it. A lot of people, I guess, thought, well, Grimes hadn't put out a record in so long. It Mm. has to be a full length. Mm. But you do what you do, man. It, there's no time limit till you're playing giant arenas. There's no right. You know, you there used to be a thing called the album cycle, and you felt like everybody put out a record every two or three years. There's artists that are putting out two in a year now. Yeah. You know, and it's not one type of music. It's all music. Exactly. So no, there's no rules to that anymore. I get why that exists, but yeah. There, I mean, there was a, there was a bit of me kind of swallowing my pride, especially with this one, because I see my projects as like whole stories, start, middle, you know, end. Sure. That's why the first record went the way that it did, because I was like, I'm not dropping, you know, an EP out of this. I was like, I can pull a couple of songs and they'll flow, sure, but it's not the full vision. Like I want, you know. So it was a bit of like, okay, I need to cut this in half. Where can I cut it at? That was kind of my thing with this this second uh, outfit, but. The whole thing, I don't know, it's just because flow in general was supposed to be about the aftermath of me kind of coming out slash being outed-ish. Because it was like I was being myself in, in the you know, publications that were coming out in the magazines and stuff. But 
I still hadn't told my grandparents or the rest of my family. My mom knew for like two years. And so that after, like all of that after that, that's like the whole first step that just dropped is like all about that and kind of like my sordid relationship with time and stuff like that. Yeah. And the second one is supposed to be about me rediscovering fun for myself and kind of getting on that journey of self-discovery and self-love and whatnot. But because it cut in half, it kind of looks like, oh, well, he's not in a good place right now. And it's like, no, we didn't get to, you know. Sure. So it was like, I, it was a lot of getting out of up here. Yeah. And like I said, trying to do remixes now for the at least the end of the year, just to put something more out is like more fulfilling to me because I'm like, I didn't put out enough, you know, work or whatever. But right. it's like, you can't expect people to be like, oh, yes, please give me more of that. And you just give them like a block of stuff. Right. You know, you, you have to be able to kind of drip. Like, yeah, portion <laughs> it out. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at that. That's so that's what's next. I mean, the EP is it's been out about what ten days, I guess. About yeah. And then it's already five k. You're already tight. So thank you. Uh, you're looking at at remixes for the year. And then next year, when do you think you're going to try to do birthday again on the Probably second half? Probably around that same year. That's cool. Yeah, it just it feels like a good time. It's usually when summer's kind of winding down. We're starting to get into fall. Um, especially since I already feel like my music is kind of like fall-ish music. Sure. And like driving music and just like overall chill, vibey, lounge around type stuff. I'm trying to, looking more into the future past that, I'm trying to get more upbeat. I'm trying to be more upbeat. I'm trying to, you know, try different things, try different sounds, work with different people. Don't just keep it so tightly like this because I know John's going to get tired of it <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Well, that but, sounds good. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Self-Release Songs is produced by David Garrick and closed captioned. You can listen to new episodes every Thursday wherever you stream podcasts. Uh, places like Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and many other places. You can also listen... Uh, to new episodes when they drop on the closed captioned website at closedcap.com. Mm-hmm.